0: probably will take me more time than what I have slotted, so just be ready. Are you, are you ready to, to let the Holy Spirit teach us tonight? Yes. <laughs> it's not going to be me, I'll tell you what, I get boring. You know, that's just the way I am. But in all honesty, I'm excited about what God's showing, what God's equipping and teaching us with. As I said last week, we got started on this study, and we began to take a look and understand as far as representative, and we took a look at David and Goliath, and probably in a way that a lot of people have not ever looked at David and Goliath before, from a standpoint of all of Israel, present and future was in him. All of the Philistines were in Goliath. Whatever happened to them happened to everyone else. That's covenant representative. I want us to understand that first of all and foremost, you and I were created for covenant union with God, to be in the in the circle of his friends. And we discussed what that was last week as well. We are made in his image. Look at your neighbor real quick. That's what God looks like. Okay, right. But we're made in, in his image, in his likeness, and, and we're uniquely fitted to interact with him in, in love. Now, This is the meaning of our existence. I want to put this up on the screen. And that is to live by the life of God, enjoying the privilege of being his friends. Now, not friends as we would understand friends in our culture, on this planet, but covenant friends. You know, the verse of scripture we talked about last week, he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know, it refers to the blood brother, the covenant brother. We are the unique ones in creation. We are spirits who are able to commune and be intimates of God that are in bodies of flesh, that are made from the dust of this earth. The flesh, the flesh body, that it, it should basically just house the spirit, but be the way the Spirit is as well expressed. And to me, that's the genius of God. That's, that blows my mind. Men and women are creatures that are created to be at home in the heavens in communion with God, while at the same moment, be at home in the world with that. We're where, where created, we're. Where creation mattered. is, where everything around us was created. We were created to live from our spirit center. That's the way we were created and and, and to be conscious of of the heavenly world and, and from that center order our flesh and our physical world. But I'll say it again. We were created to live from this, not this, nor this, Now, the interaction of of love such as as God intends between himself and and us, humanity, is something that's done, though, by choice. Love cannot be legislated, okay? Robots do not make covenant partners, hello? And, And before Adam, the human race that was in him could embark on the path for, you know, the reason that he was made and find the reason for his being. And and he he had to choose to trust God, to freely obey him as a result and take the first steps of loving him. Now, I'm going to be going back to the beginning of things. And as I do, I want to teach in this beginning in a way that I know you probably have not heard it before. But see, what happens is we stand amazed that God, who really is the only free will that existed with you know, no necess- necessity within, no pressure from outside to bring another creature with free will into existence. Free, he, he freely chose to create a being who had free will. And, and, and who was capable of saying no to him. So you, you can look at the chaos in the world, and, and, and above all, the, the death and suffering, say, of the Son of God, that because of man and the chaos, and ask why God would create a being with free will for Pete's sake. The only answer possible is, in my mind, almost too incredible to think. He chose to create us because his love desired to share itself with free beings that could partake of his life and join him in his unspeakable joy. Now, what makes to me this so incredible is that he did not purpose this out of some need, okay? He, 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 didn't, he didn't have any need within him for company, And he is, you got to remember, he's the infinitely fulfilled one. He created us because his love must share and be given away. Now, he loves us not only because we're here, but also you are here because he loved you into existence. The goal that made it all worthwhile was that we would be conformed to the image of the Son of God and would share His life for eternity. And for that goal, the Son of God would take on flesh, suffer, die, rise again, and God the Spirit would come and bring us, the Holy Spirit would bring us, to that goal. But that, that basically is, tr- is getting to the end before I get into much here. So in order for the man and the woman to make the deliberate choice to believe in him, a- and again, the journey of loving him is huge. Walking in his love, there had to be something about which a free choice could be made. So God placed the man into the Garden of Eden. By the way, the word Eden, just for information, literally means delight, the Garden of Delight. It was, I'll call it a park, okay, that was designed, that was planted by God for His infinitely loved creatures. And, and you're talking about the man and the woman. In the, and so you got in the midst of the garden, He also then placed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which would be the place of choice. Say that with me, the place of choice. This is huge because the Lord God commanded the man saying in Genesis, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall what? Surely die. Now what you have here is the response of the man and the woman to the tree would either be that of obedience or uh, disobedience. And if it's obedience, that would develop into trust, into love towards God. Disobedience, unbelief that rejected God and his love, the result of such that, of that kind of a declaration of independence from God would be death. So the tree was not poisonous, but was the divinely Place for man and for woman to choose to obey. They they were warned that in the day that they eat right, they would die. So it, it's it must. Please understand this. You don't look on this. It can't be looked on as an exam that you know. Had they passed, then they could have moved up to the next grade, so to speak. It was it was it was the very necessary opportunity that they had. To continue to become the freely chosen, choosing human beings that they were created to be. That's the idea behind this. So why would they even consider eating of a tree that guaranteed their death? What bait, I mean, what bait is going to lure them to even consider it? I mean, Adam, think about this: he had everything he needed. He, he lacked only one thing, and because he was a creature, he would always lack it. I mean, think about it. He was the owner of all the earth, having all that he needed. Knowing he didn't know any lack whatsoever. All that he had, from his breath in his lungs to his dominion over all of creation, was a free gift to him from God. With every breath he took, He was reminded that he was not God but a dependent creature and that the meaning of his life was to be submitted to his creator. So it was on this point that you got the devil coming and tempting him. And he dangles really before him uh, as a possible possession the one thing that the creature could never have and that is divinity. You see, the heart of Adam's sin was that he actually envied God. He he could not be tempted to envy what God had. For, you know, in reality, he had all of what God had in abundance. But he could be tempted to envy who God was. And that really could get him fired up into the desire to actually dethrone God and take his place. Now, I'll say this, and please understand where I'm going with this, because sin, in its ultimate desire, wills to remove God. Think about that. And, 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 and God, I mean, it, it, it's, its desire is to eh, almost kill him if he could and, and crown the creature human in, in his place. So what Satan does is he, he begins by portraying God as a liar, not to be trusted. He then tells the woman that in eating the tree and and as a result announcing before God and creation their self-sufficiency and then declaring their independence from God, they would then possess that one thing that they did not have. They would become as God. So he assures them that God's lied to you eating of the tree wouldn't bring death but instead it would be the doorway to total self-directed freedom. Then the serpent said to the woman this you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil look this this is the lie and and, and we're going to refer to it throughout Uh, our study, you know, from this original lie, all the sin of mankind kind of flows through. Who exchanged the truth, it says in Romans, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. The devil. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. This is just his natural byproduct. It's how he lives. It's who he is, period. He he does not tell the truth because the truth, look, whenever he speaks a lie, he is speaking from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies, according to John chapter 8. They they believed Satan, and as a result, Adam and Eve made the choice to disobey and to declare their independence from God. And to instead serve themselves from the one who was indeed the source of their life and the meaning of their existence, now, in that moment, their universe comes crashing down all around them and and, and honestly we, we can only under, we, we, we can only understand the necessity of the death and blood that was shed by the Lord when we Understand what happened really in that moment of disobedience. It, it it was that act of disobedience from which all other disobedience and sin flows. It was the great disobedience, if I can give it a name. And 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 it's it and 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 is the response to the original lie. So you have the original lie and the great disobedience it was not just a simple falling out amongst friends okay and if that was the case then you know each of you go your own way you know you look at your wounds and and either you know you get on with life without ones friend that used to be or any kind of reconciliation and and in other words there is a life after a falling out amongst us friends human wise but in this case one of the parties was the creator, the giver, and the sustainer of life. So to rebel in an act of disobedience that declared independence from him was to disconnect with the source of life and as a result, plunge into death. And, and, and this, this has to be, the magnitude of this has to be understood. It was not the breaking of a of a pointless rule, they, they they weren't they weren't caught in class, you know, talking and given a detention with a hundred lines to write on the board or something like that. This was a deliberate act of unbelief in the basic law of the universe. This this this, this is not, you know, like. Talking in class, it's, 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 it's more like defying gravity, only infinitely more so. So apart from causing creation to cease, there was nothing God could do to suspend the result of their sin. It says, in that day, remember, in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. That wasn't a punishment, okay? Okay. That was an announcement of a fact. You are dependent upon God for your life. You are created to live in his love. And if you walk away from him, a law will be triggered that cannot be reversed. You will certainly and unquestionably die. They they were created to say yes to God and to choose to trust him, to trust his love. Instead, they end up saying no to God and yes to the lie of Satan, and and in so doing, they become the enemies of God instead. They denied their meaning of their existence as creatures, and they rejected their God-given glory of submission and obedience to him. They said no to the covenant to the covenant union that was with him. The one who they were created from and instead exchange it for basically a dead-end street called the street of independence that results in death. So Adam and Eve, man and woman, died in the moment they ate of that tree. But what do we mean by death? I mean, after all, they continued to live for a lot of years, and the human race is still here. Now, uh, again, granted, everyone dies in the end, but the warning was that in the day they ate, they would die. Now, the problem with defining death is that those who are in the state of death are doing the defining and are convinced that they're alive. The ones who are defining death are those who are in the state of death and are doing the defining and are convinced that they're alive. From, from their perspective, they are alive now and death is what happens at the end of some physical life. But the Bible plainly says that outside of Christ, they are not alive now. This This is the world of the walking dead, if you want to look at it that way, who who do not live, they exist. There are many dimensions to what we mean by life. First, God is life. He is the source and the upholder of all life. No life exists outside of him, and nothing is independent of him. Then there is the life of the human. The most, let's face it, we're the most complex of all living creatures. But what's really important is we're created to share in and participate in the divine life. Uh, this, this human, this incredible creature was created to live in God's world and in the physical creation that's around us simultaneously. And then next you have, let's say, there is animal life, which has a graded scale of its own complexity from the primates all the way down to the amoeba. <laughs> Always like saying that word, amoeba. But the amoeba is alive. And hey, guess what? My dog is alive. I am alive. And God is life. Life and living means something different on each of those levels. The human is the only creature whose life was intended to go far beyond the natural life by sharing in the divine life. Now the Hebrew word for life or to live is this word here, heya, heya, which means simply to be alive alive. But always assume that for a human to be alive is more than just possessing a beating heart and lungs filled with air. Moses explained that the troubles in the wilderness were intended to point the people to the fact that their life consisted of more than just physical characteristics. He says, it says, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. Sound familiar? But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Does that make any more sense to you? The The word he uses for live is the Hebrew word heia, indicating that in men and with women, Adam and Heia is a quality of life that is more than the keeping of a body and a soul together. It is the living on the life of God and his word. Now, Moses speaking to the people defined life or heia in terms of walking in obedience to the words of God. He says, In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. In the Greek language, you have the word Zoe which is used to describe life as as God knows life. Zoe then becomes the foundation of all life. But It specifically describes the quality of life that is unique to God. Now, translated in the New Testament, it is translated as everlasting life. You know it in John 3.16. But the New Testament really kind of abounds in reference to this word zoe, uh, assuring us, really, that it is the purpose of God that we would receive zoe, Life as the addition to our natural life. And as a result, truly live as we were always intended to live. The way hmm, it says, the thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that you might have life, Zoe, and that they may have it more abundantly. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him... Should not perish, but have Zoe. In each of these verses, the word Zoe is used for life and everlasting life. We were created to partake of the life of God. Sin stole that, and Jesus came to return it to us. The, as a result, we must we, we've got to define death as including, but but so much more than what occurs to the body at the end of physical life. Yes, death must be understood as separation from, of of being unaware of and unresponsive to the, the dimension that one is dead as well. Now, what I'm saying here is the physical dead man is conscious in another dimension, but separated from the physical world, and therefore he is unaware and unresponsive to it. Using this definition, we can say that the animal world is dead to the human world. Don't be upset with me with what, what I'm going to give you here, but according to this definition of death, your cat is dead to the fullness of human life. Okay, no evil eyes, that's good. It lives in the human world, but is unaware and unresponsive to everything that is essentially human. Now, it responds to our providing food, water, shelter, and has awareness of our being there. But it is unaware and it is unresponsive to a Beethoven symphony or the reading of a passage from a book. Nor does a joke have any effect on it. I've tried. It doesn't ponder the meaning of its existence, nor does it discuss it with any other cats. It may see two humans kiss, but it has no reference point for the love that the kiss expresses or, in fact, what a kiss even means. Licking, that's because they like the taste. It only has cat life, which cannot relate to human life. And in that sense, through the great disobedience, the man and the woman plunged into the state of being dead to God and alive only to human awareness of their physical world, which was light years above animal life, but light years below what they were created to enjoy. Now, there is, there's, there's this, this awful finality in both spiritual and, and physical death. Because once dead, only God can bring a person back to life. In the realm of the physical, he he does that in resurrection. And spiritually, he accomplishes it in the miracle of the new birth. The human life, human life lives on the edge of of awareness of God. Human life enjoys his care, his care providential care, but is hardly aware that it is he who cares for him. In other words, mankind is oblivious to the love of God and is unresponsive to his approach. See, men and women, we are alive in the physical world, and the world of the creature, of flesh, But we are separated from God and unaware of him. We're deaf to his words and thus we're unresponsive. In other words, the human spirit is like a radio that is broke. It no longer picks up or transmits a clear signal. But men and women know they have a radio even though it doesn't work. In other words, we are lost but not so lost as to not know that there's something missing. So we exist out on the edge of an awareness of God and and we're haunted by the uneasy feeling that he is there and and some moral responsibility to him is, is seemingly demanded. See, the human race has a memory that can't be recalled. It's a dream that can't even be remembered of the glory that they were created to enjoy and actually once had. There is a, a longing to be loved unconditionally that just can't be satisfied by another human being. And, 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 and we're surprised by these unexpected surges of longing within for something above and beyond the prison walls of, of sin. Selflessness, the enemy's attack and dom- domination. But as human beings, we are aware of a vast emptiness within, which, which as a result sends us searching after something that's, that's higher than the human existence. There is a, a hole that we've talked, and you've probably heard it many times, but there is a hole inside each one of us that is bigger than, than the universe But left to ourselves, we don't have any tools for discovering who can fill that hole. Now, there can be no contact with God from the human side. God is not known by logic. He's not known by the human uh, intellect, but by revelation in the spirit of God's side or from God's side. you got the groping after God within the categories that are known by our our minds, our human intellect, and, and our imaginations. As a result, creates a God that's simply made in the image of man. And what that does is it reduces God to some superhuman and leaves the human in a greater darkness more so than ever. And, and, and that kind of groping into the unknown, it inevitably leads to the spirit world of darkness, deception, and the demonic. Jesus defines for us the biblical meaning of the word dead in the parable of the lost son. Remember when the father announces, this is my son who was dead and is alive again? Remember that phrase? The father announces, this, my son, was dead and is alive. Uh, that who, do I have that up there? I don't have that up there. Well, fine, then. This is my son who was dead and is now alive again. It's in verse 24 of, of chapter 15 of Luke. What I'm saying here is that he was separated from the father's love. He's totally unaware of it, and he's untouched by it and unresponsive to it. Finding his existence far away from it. For him to come alive was to become aware of that love. Be touched and embraced by it. Responding by opening himself up to it. Our first parents, whose names are Adam and Eve, did not become as God as Satan had promised them. But instead they become slaves to the one who had lied to them and promised this ultimate freedom for them and independence. Life instead now was lived on the meaningless, I call it, treadmill. You know what I mean by being on a treadmill? All that work and you go nowhere. It's it's this meaningless treadmill of trying to make the lie of Satan work in life. They're just basically doomed to, to fail at meeting their goal at being God. Yet, in a blind and insane belief, they continued on. And it's been the same theme. It's spurred on as an attempt that we all try to achieve in every succeeding generation that spawned beyond them. Dead while physically, mentally, emotionally alive, you have this sad parade of humanity that moves through existence toward physical death. The, the dissolution of the body being separated even from physical existence. Now, we <laughs> you're talking about created to rule the universe. Man, you and I, were created to, as a result, human, humankind has ended up being absorbed back into the dust from where we came. And the first man and woman believed that they would become gods. So unlike lower creatures, man and woman know that physical death is inevitably coming, which almost feels like it makes our life, our existence, meaningless. Whatever we do whatever they would try to achieve or aspire to, whatever the hopes or ambitions, we are acutely aware that all is being swept on towards something that's an inevitable death. Life itself becomes pointless and meaningless at sometimes. Adam's act, I call it the great, act of great disobedience was also not just on that earthly level, it was universal. And and I say that, you know, know, because at at this particular point, he brought death to the whole of creation and brought the race that was in him into the state, into a state of living death. You know, Listen, listen, take a look at this. I, I put this on the screen. The entire human race was in Adam when he sinned. Therefore, he, his was not a private sin, but a cosmic act that involved the entire cosmos and all of the future history and people. The human race outside of Christ is called in Adam, or the old man. We are not isolated individuals. We're we're all locked into one another in that sense. For example, you know, some of my far-off ancestors were Czechoslovakian. When my ancestors migrated to the shores of eastern U.S., I was in him. I was potential in his life. If he had been killed in the waters on the boat he was traveling in, I would have died in him. Like it or not, that's the way it is. But likewise, if Adam had died before his first child was conceived, none of us would even be here today. Hello? When he disobeyed, he carried us, the entire human race of mankind, into the darkness. That does not excuse us, friend. We all willfully chose the same path that he did. Every generation believes the lie, and, and as a result, it sort of like boats its actions that by its actions that Adam was right. Please understand when I say this. We are personally responsible for our sin. I don't care who you are. You can blame everybody and their brother. You can blame your parents, grandparents. You can blame Adam, but we're all responsible. See, humankind has become something other than what we were created to be. And, and as, as, as men and women, as a humankind... We were created to be spirit persons, living from our spirit centers where we were to be submitted to God and to share his life. And from that center, they were to live in and through their physical bodies and thus rule the universe. But dead to God, they become flesh persons, living from the created flesh as the source and center of their life. Now, it's all that was left. The Spirit was not functioning, and the the lie told every man and woman that within themselves, independent of God, that they could find the meaning of life, and as a result, happiness. Well, let me make it very clear that the body and all its cells and organs are good, God created the human body and pronounced it good. And Jesus himself took a human body that's made like ours in every way. He was probably as good looking as I am. But what happened when the first couple died to God in Eden was that they now looked in the realm of their created physical in their existence for the meaning of life. And in that physical arena... They would live out the rebellion for God. There's nothing wrong with the flesh. The evil is in fallen men and women, making the flesh the source and the meaning of their existence. And it would appear that before sin and death entered, that 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 they were, Adam and Eve were, well, they lived in, in awareness of their spirit dimension. So much so that they were hardly aware of their bodies except that their bodies were like vehicles of their spirit instead. Now, it, it, it would seem that the glory of the life of God shone through their bodies, clothing them in this glorious light and, and, and just much like it did Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. The entrance of sin and death turned everything upside down. After they sinned, they were suddenly and very much aware that their bodies had been stripped of the glory of God, and and, and, and they're standing there paralyzed and confused in in terms of a a heavenly dimension. And, And as a result of this new awareness that their flesh had become the center of their existence was vividly... Seen by their reaction, it's significant that the first act after their sin was a total focus on their bodies and a frantic effort to cover them with the latest fig leaf they had. They had no horror of their sin, but were obsessed by the, shameless, by the, by the shame of their bodies that have been stripped of the glory, and now they're stark naked. From then on, this was where they would find their life and the meaning of their existence in the realm of creature flesh. For every human being, the question regarding the meaning of existence doesn't go away. We cannot forget the dream that can't be remembered, so to speak. We all, human race is plagued by, why am I here? What's the point of my existence? What is the meaning of my life? Midlife crisis is is due to looking at life and then realizing that, you know, the meaning has not been found and time is running out and and, 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 and we explore all possible reasons for existence within the physical and the material universe that, that we find, you know, and, and that we look at for our, our entire existence. Understand that men and women outside of Christ are flesh people living with their flesh bodies at the center with only a dim awareness of the spirit and its function. I won't get into, you know, hair dye, makeup, you know, lose weight programs, all this other stuff, (laughs) because I value my life. Anyways, the human was created to know and walk in the love of the Creator, and and there's 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 no ultimate meaning of or to life in the flesh. Um I there there's several pictures I have that have been put in frames and hung up on a wall. But if you take that picture out and you put away the frame, you know it never occurs to us to just Hang the frame on the wall, does it? Uh, I mean, no matter how beautiful that frame might be, you know, frames are for pictures. And apart from the pictures, they have very little meaning. Our flesh existence is the frame around the picture that is our spirits joined with and participating in the life of God. Our meaning is living in the love of God. and and in the frame of our creature existence. Without the picture, there's no point to the frame except to wait for its fulfillment and having a picture placed in its heart. The scripture uses the word futile to describe the life that's lived in the flesh. It's a word that, that means going nowhere, dead end, aimless, and bringing nothing to fruition or harvest. Listen to what Paul says. He says, Knowing that you were redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk in the rest of the Gentiles, walk in the futility of their mind. Look, our pursuit of of false meaning is, is sin because we were created to find our meaning in living in the love of God. Our looking for that meaning elsewhere, honestly, is nothing less than a slap in the face of God. You and I were created to delight in being the objects of God's love and to to fill the, the creation around us with music of His love by our lives lived in union with Him greatest disobedience is is, is trashing the purpose of our creation and and seeking on an endless futile quest some other meaning to life. Because what we do by doing that is insult, basically we insult our maker. Look, the, the, the major Greek word that sums up the condition of mankind is this word here, harmatia, harmatia, (laughs) get it out right, which in the New Testament is translated as sin. Its basic meaning is to miss the mark. We've all heard this one. To describe the action basically of of us beginning, of, of our beginnings and missing totally the reason that we were created. Now, please understand me when I say this. We can't Think of this as missing the mark like some little boy going to summer camp who can't hit the bullseye with the arrow, but he keeps on trying and trying in hopes that he'll succeed. Human man, humankind, has missed the mark deliberately, having set up an alternative target, which basically is the lie and an illusion. But in the New Testament, the word, while retaining its original meaning, takes on a, a huge, a broader meaning of separation from God that is rooted in the principle of independence from him, which, again, is contained in the lie, which has become the source of all actions and behaviors. It says in Romans, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Harmadia is described as, as, as a ruling power. In, in Romans 6, it is spoken of as the body of sin, and enslaving its members. Look at it. It says, knowing this, that our old was crucified with them, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And again, in Romans 6, Paul speaks to believers who have been delivered from sin, describing it as a a master that has been ruled like, he rules like a tyrant through the members of the physical body. And, 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 And sin is an action, yes, that's taken by the will. It is the body that is the instrument by which that sin is expressed in behavior. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it. In its lusts, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though though that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. What Paul does is he speaks oftenly, oftenly speaks, how's that one? Of sin that's personified uh, as a tyrant. It says in in verse 8 there of Romans, he says, But sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desires. For apart from the law, sin was dead. In in, in chapter 7, verse 11, it says, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Although humankind is dead, men and women can still hear when God speaks, even as Lazarus heard the voice of Jesus when he came forth from the tomb. The true person lies buried within each of us. And and it's awaiting the gospel call of the Son of God that summons us to resurrection, to true personhood. Follow me in Ephesians where it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Human, human beings, by nature are hostile to God and not in covenant, nor are they in a position to initiate one. They are are not only hostile to God, but covenant breakers for the first sin was the breaking of the covenant that that was their destiny to enjoy and as a covenant breaker they're under the penalty of death the bible to me is some is this fascinating story of how god has achieved the reconciliation of 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 us to himself bringing us into covenant with him now let me just end with this this one verse it says in Romans 7 but sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire apart from the law of, for apart from the law sin was dead It's amazing that you can read through the scriptures Sin was never really identified. They didn't realize what sin was until the commandments come along, until that old covenant. Paul talks about it in Corinthians, that the strength, that 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 as a result, the strength of sin is what, the law. Yeah. The strength of, of sin is the the sin death is the last sting of uh, sorry, death is the last sting of sin. Not, understand something, the humanity of which we're talking about tonight. And in saying of this, in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. Sin. Law is not what I can and can't do. The law are the loves of God. <laughs> if I love you, I don't want to kill you. But if I don't love you. So what we work through there is we begin this and see what, what man has done is, is, if if I was to say to you that the law was like the, uh, a piece of candy in a wrapper, right? Like a Werther's kind of piece of candy, which I could really use right now. That what happens is man has taken... the the candy out of the wrapper, thrown the candy away and eaten the wrapper instead. And, And what I'm trying to say here tonight is very simply understand, first of all, the foundation of which you and I exist in, what really, truly happened when Adam and Eve partook of that tree, of that fruit, and what their reason behind it was. We were created as spirit beings which this body contained. What we now do outside of that is we focus on the container rather than what's in the container, which is what Paul would talk about as well. Outside of Christ, Death. With Christ, in Christ, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I come that you might have Zoe and have it more abundantly. Would you stand with me tonight? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're showing and teaching us. Thank you that what you're making aware to us is something more than just a service level understanding. Not living by the head, not living by the intellect, not living by the emotion, not but from the heart where we are joined with you. God, I, I just pray that you'll continue to stir our hearts, open our eyes of understanding. Teach us in ways that take us, equip us. Revelation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you will bless them, guide them, direct them, encourage them, strengthen them, speak your word into their spirit. Lord, to them, your children, who have been made alive through what Christ has done, our representative in the reality that we are your children. I pray that you will bless them, encourage them, strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. These alders are open again. If you want to find some time, just spend some time around them. I encourage you to do so.